In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbV, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps. Inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, on your treadmill, climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, and cure. Register at lls.org slash bigclimb. Coming up on today's show, we're going to talk about the Knicks possibly finding a head coach, some various return to play plans featuring Fast Break Breakfast Keith Parrish, and some of the challenges teams might run into playing games with no fans. Welcome to the Back to Back Pod on the Athletic Podcast Network. This is Nerder She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour, with Mo DeKeel and Seth Partnow. Are you ready to be entertained? Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Nerdish She Wrote on the Back to Back Podcast, a part of the Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host, Dave Dufour, joined as I am each and every week by my man, Mo DeKeel. What's up, Mo? What's up, Dave? How are we doing? How, I'm good. How heavy is your mustache now? Have you have you had a chance to weigh it? Uh, no, I haven't, but it's like, it's pretty bushy, man. Like, it's, it's interesting. I'm going to have to learn how to do mustache care. Uh, yeah, you have, have to, to make that thing pay rent. I have to trim it to make sure it's not like on my lip. Like that kind of annoys me uh, mm-hmm. a little bit. But overall, it's looking pretty uh, Magnum PI like. <laughs> oh yeah, sure. I was thinking more John Bolton. Uh, wow. And only also here, Seth Partnow. What's up, Seth? Seth, you still haven't shaved the beard, right? No, uh, it was uh, about a week ago where uh, my wife looked at me and was like, mm, "It's time." <laughs> so we, uh, <laughs> so we, uh, so then we, then I had the 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 uh, I tweeted about this a little, but but uh, turns out my ten year old Clippers couldn't handle a full head of hair, so I was like kind of stuck halfway between for a little bit, and there was a, an emergency baseball cap and run to Target <laughs> for for a replacement set. So oh, you missed out. Got cleaned up. Did you, did Fat you kid know? deals had a good deal on a set of Clippers the other day, and I almost snagged them. Did you not take mm. a picture of of it halfway done though? There is no evidence. That's disappointing. Of, uh, yeah. Uh, if only the cats uh, could learn how to take pictures, I'd bet they'd get a lot of uh, interesting. Well, someone tried. Someone tried to sneak a camera on me, but I but I, I anticipated it and foiled the plot. That's <laughs> a uh, quick reaction time. I'm noting that in the scouting report, and we've got a special guest this week. My good buddy Keith Parrish from the Fast Break Breakfast Basketball Podcast. Keith. What'd you have for breakfast? Oh, thanks for asking, Dave. I had a single pop tart. I had one brown brown <laughs> wow. sugar brown sugar pop tart. Now, did you toast it or was it raw? It was toasted, just a in an actual toaster, which we still turns out have a toaster. I wasn't sure if we had one, but we did have a toaster. Okay. And yeah, just you know, briefly. Don't even wait for the cycle to be over. I had to force the thing up a little button up so it popped up right when I wanted it. That is a pitiful breakfast, Keith. Hang on a second. Our pop pop tarts are not raw when you get them. They're just not 
well, crispy. I mean, it's well, they're cooked. You, you, you toast it or you don't. I mean, it's just you know, it's like we're really going to debate the semantics of just the terms of when. No, what do you know? I like my pop tarts when I was a kid. I liked them. They were almost snap. That's how I liked them. I think if you want to call an untoasted piece of bread raw bread, I'm fine with that. If Mo wants to do that, I have no issue. I mean, but it's I just like having Keith inaccurate. on the show. It's inaccurate. It's not raw. It's been cooked. I like having Keith <laughs> on the show. Right. Keith continues to agree with me. All right, hang on. So it's cooked, but it's not toasted. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay, Dave. <laughs> this and the Elam ending. Here we go. <laughs> I know. We're going we're to fight already. Um, okay. So, guys, a um, little bit of breaking news right before we recorded the Athletics, Sham Sharania and Mike Vorkanoff uh, reporting that the Knicks head coaching search has begun. And at the top of their list, wait for it, Tom Thibodeau. And that's pretty much how I felt about it. Uh, I feel like we've we've sort of known that that he was an option for them for a while here. Uh, Keith, I'm going to start with you. It, has the league sort of passed Tom Thibodeau by? Well, yes, I think so. But they've also passed the Knicks by, so it seems like a perfect pairing. <laughs> this is, I mean, this is a seriously. How's it going? Yeah, let's let's uh, let's do the triangle. Let's get Tom Tibbs. Yeah, whatever. The thing is, his offense is fine. I mean, Mo, you you and I have talked about this before. Like, his offense is fine. His issues in Minnesota were about his defense. Yeah, and um, his defense is is a little bit antiquated, and he has to adjust to that, you know, the way the game's played now. But I also, I'm a little bit weary to say it's fully passed him by because, you know, the last time the Wolves made the playoffs, Thibodeau was the coach. And they were, before Jimmy Butler got hurt, were like a top four in the in the West, I mean, they, you know, he, he, he is still a good coach, but it's a specific team that he coaches. And that's not where the Knicks are at right now. If that's who they're targeting as their number one guys, the reports suggest. Well, can he do it with, I mean, I guess I, I, we shouldn't say, can he do it with this roster? Cause I don't think anybody could do it with this roster, but Seth, when he's had his great successes, He's always had a guy who was like a top 15, top 20 level player at a minimum. And then a lot of really good defensive role players. I mean, that's that's kind of a what you're describing when he had a good team. Right. Yeah. When he had a good team, he was good. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And he's you know, he's not the only one. And and he probably did some things that uh, that that uh, enhanced those those teams to uh, additional level levels of certainly regular season goodness. But. Um, you know, most coaches don't really move the needle above the talent level of a team. And, and that's for un, until that gets fixed uh, for the Knicks, like it, it, it sort of it doesn't matter in terms of wins and losses. And I don't know if he's ever been like a big time development guy. And that's sort of more where the Knicks are than right. let's push for results now. So, so that's that's sort of it's a, it's a weird fit. I think it's 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 um, you know I don't know the process that they have gone through or will continue to go through, but it does seem like a weird fit that's based more on you know winning the press conference, getting a name. I think than it is bringing in the coach that's there for the team that they are building. I think it gives you insight though into what they're planning. 
because I imagine it's this is there's going to be a whole bunch of changes to their roster. Not not necessarily good, but I think they're going to try to make some moves that it may end up backfiring because this is kind of what the Knicks always do, right? Like they don't actually just try to build a team; they they immediately try to go for stars and things like that. Like I think that's really what this is kind of signaling. Like if you're bringing in Tom Thibodeau, he's not taking the job to be a development coach. You know, that's right. That's a Kenny Atkinson type of hire. Like that's who that you you, you should be looking at. In my opinion, if you're the Knicks, if you're going to stay the course with this team, I think this is signaling that like, hey, there's more coming. Like we're bringing in Tibbs, but we have plans for other guys to be to be joining him. And like you said, Dave, he usually has like a top 15, top 20 guy or, or is somebody in the fold. So I think this is just kind of signaling like sort of what they're looking for in terms of how they're going to build the team. Uh, Keith, w- would you say that Tom Thibodeau did any development in Minnesota? I don't. I mean, I'm trying to remember. I mean, he, you know, he had Carl Anthony Towns, who obviously got amazing. You know, how much of that is attributed to his time there? I don't know. I mean, I think of that team as like Jimmy Butler kind of taking over. I just want to know what you guys mm-hmm. think. It, like, if you were a Knicks fan, would you rather have Tom Thibodeau or another big name like Mark Jackson? be announced as a head coach. See, okay. So I I think that if that was, if your choices are Tom Thibodeau or a splashy name, that's not really a very good coach. Like I think Tom Thibodeau in the grand scheme of things is a good basketball coach. Um, It's just whether or not he is in today's NBA willing to make the adjustments that you need to make to stay good and compete. Uh, Like, I mean, I bring up Nick nurse all the time, but his, willingness to throw things at the wall to see what works and also by the way not run his players into the ground uh because you know that's also important uh i think that kind of stuff matters so like if if tom thibodeau is willing to adjust to the league the way it is now i'd much rather have him um under no circumstances would i say yeah mark jackson is a is a great choice but it's more this it's more about trying to predict where this team is going, right? Like this is a young team. They've got a, a lot of young guys who, you know, may or may not have talent. I'd love to see what they had there by going the route of a Kenny Atkinson or someone like that. So here's a question I have, um, you know, at, at, at times teams have treated a coach as if he is he's kind of going to be a selling point for free agents. Right. Um, I know that was like a big reason why when the Clippers went in and, and they, they traded for 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 Doc Rivers. Um, I kind of think that when the, the Clippers did that to bring in Doc, he had a lot more currency with current players than than Tibbs does now. I mean, you think about the the how many players are still in the league and impact players and really have a strong memory of like those, those early Tibbs bulls teams. Cause I don't think that I do. Do you think that it, like there's a, a, it's a selling point for a, a young, like up and coming star free agent, his tenure in Minnesota, or is the, that ended badly? See, see I don't think it's going to be a, a particularly young guy. Because you're right, I think the younger guys probably don't probably see him more as Minnesota Tibbs than than Chicago Bulls Tibbs. But I think it's going to be a marginal guy that we maybe consider a star at this point, and might not like a guy like. And I'm just throwing it out there, but like a guy like Chris Paul, you know, or something like that. Like they might 
that might be a case where that's something where, okay, Tibbs is there, you know, and Tibbs and CP kind of have the same mentality. Both are absolutely insane and crazy competitive and things like that. And, and, and similar to how he kind of bonded with Jimmy Butler. I think there's, there's something like that. It could be a guy like him or, uh, players on that kind of level i think is is who it's going i i don't think if the knicks do hire thibodeau i don't think they're staying a young team for very long and that's super short-sighted yes <laughs> like it, it's just it's the knicks i mean they could can you change the name from the knicks to short-sighted but th- these weren't supposed to be the same knicks that's why remember it, we've knicks, been like knicks keeping knicks, praise man. They've been making these great hires. Oh, Leon Rose. You know, it's a real basketball guy in there. They're doing all this great stuff. And now, I mean, Keith, you're a Memphis fan. Yeah. Memphis is taking the slow road, right? Like, because they have to. They have no shot at free agents. The Knicks actually have some young talent. But they don't have a shot at free agents. I think it's, we're giving the Grizzlies a lot of credit for getting lucky in the lottery. The, like, cause the, well, every team I mean, gets credit the, for being the, lucky the, in the, the Grizzlies rebuild was to try to win a lot of games last year with Marcus on Mike Conley and it failed and they were good. They were at least open to the idea of pulling the plug when that failed. So I, I know I like to praise the Grizzlies as like, yeah, our rebuild has lapped all the other bad teams because the Grizzlies are on the cusp of being good again, but there's always lottery luck. And so I can't, I can't give the Grizzlies too much credit. So we all agree. Huge mistake. Don't hire tips. Is that where we're at? I don't, I don't know about a huge mistake, but no, it's just, I'm it's, kidding. It, it, no, but it does. I think as as you and Mo have, have both alluded to, it does indicate a a kind of a a ready fire aim sort of approach to team building. Which you know, when has that ever gone wrong in New York aside from in the last twenty years? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, they're kind of. You wrote a great piece with with Mike Vorkanoff uh Seth kind of like going through what's going on with the Knicks and like you know they have a couple draft picks coming from Dallas they're kind of building the 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 asset covered and 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 young guys and things like that like almost as if they were to build like a small market team for a while it would would probably suit them um but I think that's kind of the thing like the, the problem is they're trying to turn their sights over too early, you know what I mean? Before having any sort of foundation, you know, to, to try to get a big name. And more often than not, that hasn't worked for them. Yeah, no, they just, I mean, they finally have got to the stage where they've kind of dug themselves. They, and, and this is, this happened once before this kind of, uh, when, when, when Phil Jackson first came in that their first off season, they were, they were pretty sensible. It's like, Hey, let's, you know, let's sign Robin Lopez. Let's, you know, get on, on a reasonable contract. Let's get some real basketball players in here. Not, like necessarily go for the splashy names and they did that for a year and then like no no we gotta we gotta now 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 and um you know again they, they finally kind of gotten back to level ground they don't have a hole to fill and and it's like well time to start digging again which you know is the definition of insanity right um same thing, expecting a different result. It's just amazing that you could have so many different guys kind of run through that front office and continue to do the same thing. Like, that's what's really more amazing to me. Yeah, it's almost like it's an it's ownership like- issue. <laughs> <laughs> Weird. Okay. So the Knicks, I mean, they're going to continue to do Knicks things. Uh, 
Moving on. So last week we had Keith Smith on the show and Larry Coon on the show to talk about, uh, you know, the Disney idea and, and potential CBA ramifications. Well, in the last week, a lot of re, uh, return to play scenarios have been floated uh, through various sources. Um, you know, uh, our own Sham Sharani has put a lot out there. Sam Amick, uh, Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer has put a few out there, including a, a sort of World Cup-style group play. Um, the only one I think is worth talking about, I don't even know. Keith, is this public? Have you put this out there yet? I, I haven't publicized it yet. I mean, okay. no. I, I well, mean, I, I should probably tweet it right now. So, yeah. world premiere. This is a world premiere. Yeah, so, and not even on your own podcast. Wow, that's... It's true. It's true. It's for you guys. I, 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 somehow, I somehow scooped your podcast. <laughs> that's right. Um, so, Keith, walk us through your return to play. And by the way, I, I, I want to say right off the bat, um, I think both Mo and I on, on buds the other day agreed that they should just come back and play the playoffs as they normally would, or maybe do the one through 16, but even that might be too much. Just changing the rules of the game midstream doesn't really make a lot of sense to me, uh, in this scenario. If you want to change the rules, just, you know, do them for next season. But Keith, your idea is actually interesting to me. Okay. So my idea is is based on the motivation of the league being we want to get every team involved and we want to get as much viewership as possible. If, if I'm not thinking about those things, it makes sense to me to just start with the playoffs. I do think starting with just 16 teams makes the most sense. My other thought is continuing the regular season makes absolutely no sense. And we've seen the teams that are eliminated from the playoffs saying, well, we're not going to play our players. The Warriors have said they're not going to play. Um, Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum are always telling Chris Haynes to tweet that, hey, um, if we don't have a chance for the playoffs, we're, we're mad and we're not going to play. So my plan is under the idea that the NBA wants to try to get every team up to that 70 games that we're talking about. So the regional television contracts pay out and they want to have as much viewership as possible. So that that's the motivation here. If it wasn't for those things, I agree. The most simple thing, I think like Seth was tweeting the other day, the simplest, I think arrangement is the best. And that is just start the playoffs with 16 teams. So throwing that out. Um, my plan is it has every team involved, but they're kind of split up. It starts with the pool play for or a play in tournament for those seven and eight seeds in each conference. And we would take the the seven with the seven through 12 seeds in each conference. So in the East, that's going to be some bad teams, but it's the Nets, the Magic, Wizards, Hornets, Bulls, and Knicks. And so those teams will be playing for the last two spots. Same thing with the Western Conference, where you have the, the Trailblazers, Pelicans, Kings, Spurs trying to take the Grizzlies and Mavericks spots. My idea is they play like... I guess you could do it with just they play each other once. I was thinking they played each other twice to get 10 games. And then you take the standings and the top two teams in this pool play would advance. I'm going to spot the seven and eight seeds, a one game lead. So in the standings, like the Grizzlies and Mavericks are already up one zero or have one game in hand. So for a team outside of the playoffs currently to make it in, they have to overcome that difference and overcome a tiebreaker based on the regular season standings. All right, so that was a lot. Was that? Are we ready to discuss the first branch of this plan? Yeah. Um, so again, my biggest issue is just the idea of a plan in general. Uh, the Mavericks, in particular, yeah, they have a seven-game <laughs> lead over the eight seed. They've got like an uh, was it an eleven-game lead, ten-game lead over the Blazers and Pelicans and and Kings. 
this like they're actually doing their job, which was winning games. They have 40 wins, same number as the Rockets. You know, why would we have a seventh uh, a seventh seed play in? I know that this has been floated by the league, by the way. So I, I agree with you. This is incredibly unfair to the Dallas Mavericks, who are 13 games over 500. Uh, I'm doing this based on what I've seen, where the league keeps pushing these things. If you don't include the seven seeds, if you just have a play in for the eighth seed, I think that's incredibly unfair to the Magic and the Grizzlies, who have basically comfortable, I mean, not comfortable leads. Like the Grizzlies, it was going to get harrowing, we all assume, going down the stretch as the Grizzlies' schedule got tougher. But they're not close. Like they had a three and a half game lead. And so if you did do a pool play or a play in tournament, like I've seen suggested where it's the Grizzlies against four other teams, not in the playoffs or five other teams, like that's unfair to the Grizzlies. If that's what the league chooses to do, that's okay. The reason I did it this way is to make it even where I thought this made sense. And then I can still get the lottery teams involved in their own thing. The top teams involved in their own thing. So that's why I included the seven seeds in both conference. And again, but there's no argument that this is unfair for the Mavericks. Perhaps they should be given a bigger lead. Like maybe the Mavericks should be spotted two or three games ahead. So a team like the Kings would have to win. I don't know, go like eight and two in the pool play and hope that the Mavericks went three and seven to overtake them. But like, there's there's a lot of stuff there. Like I'm I'm yeah. very anti-play-in to begin with. Uh, Dave said it on Buds yesterday, and I wish I beat him to it. But the regular season is the play-in tournament. Like that's that's the thing. And then on top of all that, and I understand this is special times. We're dealing with all these things. You know, I I think we just got to throw out throw away this idea of like we got to get everybody to seventy games. I understand the point of it, regional TV and everything like that. But look, the Spurs are at. 63 games and i think they've played the fewest right like they have to play seven games to get there whereas i think the raptors have like 66 or something like we have that mix of teams it's just not even it's not an easy thing to to fix that i think they just have to accept the fact that like there's just going to be a loss there and that's the end of it you know i don't think there's a way to really kind of come around to it and then just i mean the whole thing of like let's just start changing things and moving like all of this stuff is just it's it, it's ridiculous, and everybody who's upset that their team's not going to have a chance to uh, fight for the playoff spots. Like I know everybody wants Zion to make the playoffs, but like, look, I mean, everybody but you, Keith. I know you're a Memphis guy, right? Um, but the but look, man, like maybe New Orleans shouldn't have gone down that. What, what were they like? Dug themselves like a, a a twelve game hole at the beginning of the year. I know Zion wasn't playing, but still, like this is the way the season goes. This is the way this stuff happens. This is the way all of this works out. Nobody's crying for Portland, who had nothing but injuries all year. I mean, they probably would have still been in the playoffs. They'd probably be in the playoffs if they were healthy. So it's like to me, I'm just like, man, just get these playing stuff out. Like I'm over it. You know, you had a chance. You didn't do your homework. It's not fair to the teams that did. Plain and simple. Now, Seth, you don't really care about fairness. No, I, like, <laughs> well, no, uh, let's think about feasibility. Case. No, I'm there's so there's you're solving for two things. You're trying to uh, essentially the, the goal here is to uh, maximize revenue and minimize costs and costs. I'm including, you know, risks from from, you know, the, the, the disease itself. Um, the costs of, of teams getting ready to uh, go to the bubble and then stay in the bubble. Um, so getting it, so putting a team in the bubble for just a couple games, like those costs don't 
really scale, I don't think, with number of games. Like you're, you're, you've got to get them to either it's the league or the team itself. You know, you got to get them back to their market. You got to do your, you know, your 14 day quarantine there. You got to do a training camp. You got to ramp up. You got to, you know, ship facilities and stuff to Orlando. You got to get everyone set up. That's that's a, that's a chunk right there. Um, and that you know, and and that 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 money is that money. That's a fixed cost. That doesn't matter how long you stay there. So if you're there and you're guaranteeing at least like a playoff series, all right. You can, you can even for like the eight seed, you can justify that. If you're doing that for two games, what are we doing? And you know, especially if we consider we're adding kind of, um, I think I think uh, Woj put it this way on a pod yesterday. The 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 kind of containment strategy is only as strong as the least compliant team or person. So you add more teams and people, especially teams and people that don't have realistic chances of you know, doing anything that we would consider meaningful. Um, yeah, it, it, New Orleans making the, quote, playoffs through a plan, that'd be nice. But then they, you know, they lose in a gentleman's sweep in the in the first round of the real playoffs and great. Um, so it, it seems like you're adding risk and cost and not getting, uh, you know, Actually, decreasing the number of games you're playing, right? So it, it does. It, it sort of fails both prongs of that for me. So, I, like I said, I don't. And I don't like. I don't really care about the one through sixteen versus conferences. Sure. I have a slight preference to stay with conferences, but it's just it, it's, it's keep it simple. Get you know, get the playoffs. Play, people will watch because they're starved for anything. Make the planning of the games themselves, the format, all that as simple as possible, so you can do that by rote. And focus on all this other stuff that that has to be done to make this happen safely and right, and don't and, and try to avoid anything that's going to pull brain power from that. I'm not the kind of guy that's really into fragrances. I don't wear cologne. I couldn't tell you what kind of deodorant I use, much less soap and lotion. I just use what's there. If you're like me, you probably have no idea what you're doing either. That's why I really enjoyed the experience with Hawthorne. I went on their website, I took the little quiz, and they sent me customized packages with fantastic lotion, a deodorant that I actually enjoy the smell of, really great body wash, and it was all so easy. It's a quick two-minute quiz, and they tell you exactly what works best for you, for your style of skin, how you like to smell, and how you like to present yourself. It's a great gift for Father's Day. You can take the quiz for someone else. Go to Hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E and .co, not .com. Hawthorne.co and use my promo code BACK to get a 10% discount on your first purchase. That's Hawthorne.co. Use the promo code BACK to get 10% off your first purchase. Hawthorne.co. All right. Well, so Keith's Keith's plan is a three-part plan. So that was part one, which, again, I think we all have problems with. Um, part two is the lottery bowl. Now, I see some variation of this thrown out a lot as a way to solve tanking. Uh, Keith, 
Explain the lottery bowl. Well, before I move to the lottery bowl, I would like to say that it is funny. This is like debate club where I've been given an argument that I don't agree with. Yes. Like, cause right. I, I, I'm, on, I'm on everyone's side on this. Right. Where it's like, yes, yeah. none of this makes sense. But if you're forcing us to do this, this is what I think yeah, would be a good a idea. Yeah. Exercise completely. Yeah. We're, we're beating up on Keith. I really don't. No, I, I mean, I would say <laughs> no, in my this, plan, none of the teams, show? like none of the teams just play two or three games. Like if you're going, they're, they're, right. they're all playing a bunch of games, but I, I'm with like, like most it's weird to change the rules halfway through the year. I jokingly said on my podcast, if they're going to do this, let's expand the charge circle too. Let's try out other things. If we're going to change the rules of what we're doing, I know it's not a fair comparison, well, but uh, how about ban the charge? Yeah. Uh, 25 point. Basket. Exactly. Let's go. Yeah. So, let's go rock rock and jock, baby. We're, rock we're and jock. Be a, so anyway, <laughs> if we do adopt the first part, which is to play this 10 game round Robin for the play and for the, for the seven and eight seeds, then you have six teams at the very bottom of the standings. And I think those six teams could get together. They could play each other once again to fulfill the regular season to get up to 70 games. So they play round Robin or just one game of peace against each other. And then like you, you take your top four of those six and they play a single elimination tournament for the highest odds in the lottery. Again, this is just for viewership. This is just for the draft nerds to be excited. Uh, this is just for a chance for the warriors to be like, you know what? Maybe Steph Curry will play for the number one shot at, at the, uh, at lottery odds. So this gets an entertaining thing to resolve the lottery where it's not just teams coming back to tank. Cause I also saw on Twitter today, I think uh, Vince Ellis who covers the Pistons was like the, the Pistons need to get back to play to one, uh, get in better draft position. And I was like, Oh my right. God, <laughs> we're talking about coming back to tank they, that we can't do that. They want to hurry up yeah. to lose. So I think yeah. the lottery bowl might be a fun variant of that. And to get them up to those 70 games played and to set the lottery standings. Now the lottery bowl, at least something similar has been bandied about for a few years now as a way to, to somehow solve tanking. I still don't see how it solves tanking. If anything, it might make tanking worse to get into the lottery bowl. <laughs> yeah. Cause you might, let's say you have a, a decent team. You might lose some games on purpose to get into that. Just so you've got the most stacked of the awful teams. If that so makes I, sense. Right, there's more, more value in being the, having a chance to win the number one pick versus getting swept in the first round. Yeah. Like it's great. It's a great spot to be in, to be the best of the worst six, right? You still wouldn't get your number one pick. You would still be subject to the flattened lottery odds that we have now, but you got, you guys are right. That'd be an issue. I do think that COVID-19 in a weird way, uh, fixed some tanking because if you don't know when the season is going to stop, you can't really tank. I'm on a oh, like like so if, maybe if the we need like scratch, random. That's what I'm saying, Dave. Yeah. I think fix tanking every season. Yeah, you just at the end of the season, you do a lottery to determine which date of the standings we're going to use. Now are then you're gonna have just you're gonna have a couple of teams that are rolling out there like the Bobcats. You just tell them, hey, it's between games thirty and fifty-five. We're just gonna pick some some date between then. If oh you want to tank God. through there, it's fine. If you don't know when the tanking is gonna happen, it's harder to tank. Gosh. That's, That's incredible. incredible. That actually is. <laughs> Seth, go. Seth, go. You could, I heard you no, twice I go. Like, I, love I, yeah. I, love, I love everything about That's that. That's chaos. <laughs> um, okay. And then, all right. So the oh, last oh, part. Oh, hold on. Oh, hold on. Go ahead. On. Go ahead, Mo. Here's the thing. I don't think you're going to get players. Just the one thing. Of many. <laughs> I don't think you're going to get players to buy into playing in the lottery bowl. Just for the pure fact of like, for some of these guys, they're playing to get replaced. You're like the whoever their team is drafting is potentially taking their job. 
Like, I don't know how you work that. And I get bonuses and all that stuff and things like that. It's never going to be that uh, 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 as valuable as continuing your job in the league. So I think that's really my issue with it, where I don't think you're going to get the players to really fully buy in on that. Yeah, because the players don't care about draft picks. Well, that, I mean, how is that yeah. any different than the regular season games where sometimes they rest the guys, but the, the players on the Suns don't care about tanking, even though when the coach says, hey, you're not playing tonight, they're like, all right, fine. I don't feel like I said, I mean, I, this is obviously separate because we're talking about traveling and going to a different, you know, location. This location would be separate from the main NBA location. No, ring to br- no reason to bring these guys around the, the, uh, the real right. NBA bubble. But I mean, we're always going to have those problems. <laughs> They'd have their own separate bubble. Yeah. Do, no, do you no, think this how, is an LA live for somewhere. You know, this is, this <laughs> well, is different. Listen, if some of these guys get to pick, some of the guys who are playing in the main NBA bubble are going to rather be in LA or that's Vegas right. than that's, Orlando. That's right. Like, <laughs> um, but no, but to your point though, like it's not, a, it's it, it, in terms of your, what you're trying to do is get people excited to watch this. And you're talking about this as a ratings thing. If I'm going to watch this and I'm going to watch Phoenix and Devin Booker's not going to play, like, what's the point? You know, it's it's it's, it's just not going to do what I think you think it's going to do. You, you don't think Devin Booker would enjoy the opportunity to put on a show to show he could actually win something for the Suns to shut up all the blog I, boys I mean, criticizing him? I mean, whatever. Then you have guys, who, <laughs> the guys who are going to sit out are the marginal guys anyways. Could be. Or the the, the, the guys who are going to get replaced. Like, I don't know if you really want that. Like, I just don't know if this, th- we've heard this idea so many times. And every time, I just think it's incredibly short-sighted and, and, and no offense, Keith, but stupid. Oh, no, it's fine. I'm just trying, again, <laughs> I'm working with, I'm trying to get every team 70 games and I'm trying to involve, involve the entire league. That's still, I that's got what you. I'm I got with. you. Again, the Bay Club, the Bay Club. We're just beating up on yeah, you. Right. Got it. Okay, go ahead. Okay, okay. <laughs> Part three of this plan uh, is the David Stern Yes, Cup. sir. Now, would this replace the playoffs? Is no, that- no, no. This is... Okay, okay. I feel like one of the issues that in my mind, and I don't know if you guys agree when we talk about these play in games is it actually seems like an advantage to me for the teams involved in the play in tournament. Whoever comes out of the play in tournament is going to have the rust shaken off before they play the other teams. So my thought was, uh, the top 12 teams, while these other teams are doing my pool play and or the lottery bowl, while, while, while the, the fight for the seven and eight seeds going on, we're going to have the top teams play in a double elimination tournament. This gives Adam Silver his taste of a European style soccer competition or just like a an extra tournament. And this again, motivation is coming, becomes an issue. I don't know if there's like a cash purse for every game you win. If it is just the bragging rights, I would think maybe your wins and losses in this tournament, a double elimination tournament would count for your regular season standings for playoff positioning. So that being the top teams couldn't fall down in the playoffs. Like they wouldn't have very much far to move, but in the West where you have like the jazz and the thunder and the rockets all bunched together, there could be some, some fighting for position. And then again, for, I think for, I think this would bring ratings if the players were right. involved, if you had a separate tournament, just seated one through 12, regardless of conference, and you and you crowned like, hey, like LeBron James first, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo for this Stern Cup or whatever you want to call it. I think that could be fun. And again, it gets these teams ready for the playoffs. I'm with you. I actually, of, of all three parts of your plan, this is the one I like the most. And I would say if the league needed tune-up games, well, which they do, uh, bring your 16 playoff teams and do the David Stern Cup one to 16 random seating. 
So you literally, you could do a TV event, lottery style, with ping pong balls and do it that way. And I, I think that this is a good idea. People would watch the hell out of it. It would be a little bit of March Madness type of feel. And it would get these guys ready for playoff action. So I have two questions. One, does the winner, do they become known as the NBA Intercontinental Champion? Oh, yeah, there's a belt. <laughs> yes. oh, there's a belt. Yeah. 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 Oh, there two, you go. Two, is this tournament using the Elam ending? No. Ooh. Not for me. Not for oh, me. Okay, See? Now I would I'm do out. the Elam ending. I'm in. I'm, I'm in. I'm in now. Now I'm in. <laughs> there, there we go. I, I, like, I think that we've solved the issue because Keith gave us – you know, a, a three quarter of the way there idea. <laughs> yeah. I, I, at first when I saw this, I thought it was replacing the playoffs. So I feel much better about that. Okay. So that's, that's good. The only thing I would say just from a team perspective, like if I'm the Lakers, I don't want to play the bucks until I'm playing them for the NBA championship, you know, or, or, or in the playoffs or the Clippers or anything like that. Like I get that we have to, we have to get these guys, we have to figure out how to get these guys games before the, the, the playoffs begin. I think even if we just bring the 16 teams in to, to work the rust off and stuff like that, but I think you have to find a way to do it in where it's like, these are the least likeliest finals matchups, right? Like if you do one, if you stay one through eight in conferences, you can do the Lakers and Orlando are going to play a bunch of games to, you know, like, you know, play a little series to just get the rust off and then able to go and play. Um, I think that's kind of something I think you might see resistant from teams. I, I have no problem watching the tournament. I thought originally this was replacing the playoffs where I was ready so, to kill Keith. So I think I think thinking about um, potential playoff matchups is overthinking it a little bit. All these teams play each other in regular season. This is a, just I look at it's this as an same, extension Dave. of it's that. It's not the same. It's not the same. You, well, why you, not? Because you're not first off, the Clippers played Milwaukee twice in December and January, I think it was, yeah, or whatever. And they it's, wouldn't it, play for two months. And they're a different team and they're a different mentality and stuff like that. And they have a different attitude. They didn't have Kawhi in the first game. Like they have a different sense of who they are and things like that. And coaches aren't gonna want to show their stuff. It's just that simple. I think like when you're when you're just saying, Well, they've played in the regular season, it's not the same, man. It's it's it, it really isn't. And they wouldn't want to do it so close to when the playoffs begin. Like we've seen this, we've seen teams hold back in March and April when they're playing somebody that's potentially a, a, a playoff matchup for them. We've seen them hold back, either hold guys back or even not run a bunch of things knowing that they might play them in the playoffs. Cause they don't want to see that. I think you're going to get that all over again in this instance. So with, with that logic though, it, then you can't have any of the playoff teams playing any of the other playoff teams because in theory, like the Orlando Magic could go on the most unlikely finals run in NBA history I, I think and he, face the Lakers in the finals. I mean, he, otherwise, he, otherwise, what you're saying is, well, this team really has no chance and shouldn't even really be here. But we had to include them because they were, you know, top eight in the East. That's a that's a hell of a thing to admit for the league. Well, I mean, I mean I we think, all know that's the truth. I think we all know it anyways. I think anybody who looks yeah, at it going, but, but, but I don't, th- I don't think it's a secret to fans. I don't think fans are like unless you're a kid, a little kid in Orlando who's, who's dreaming big things of Aaron Gordon, like you and I were at the beginning of the year. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the, um, I don't think you're going to see, you know, I don't think you're going to see anything like that, like where anybody's going to really freak out about it. It is very unlikely 
in that right. scenario. And, but, and it's a possibility, but that's fine. That's that's something you're they're more willing, I bet, to do that than say, like, all right, why don't you guys go play the Bucks? you know, uh, a, a series before the playoffs begin. Not going to well, happen. We're also talking about just th- this tournament would be in this that scenario, it'd be like the Bucks and Lakers would play one game. And if, but right. if Budenholzer's like, you know what? I'm not going to show anything in this game. Like that, can that's, punt it. yeah, they can just punt it or, or just play regularly. Some team is going to tank in the, in the David Stern cup for sure. That's like right. They, they might need to. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Clippers someone already did. Maybe the, maybe Utah would rather face someone else and, and they prefer to lose a couple games. I, I don't know. Those are things to be worked out. But I do think for the fun and the entertainment, just playing these one games, I don't feel like the strategy issue would be that big of a deal. Like the Clippers saying, we don't want to show our hand in this one game. I mean, even if they're playing a Western Commerce team, that's, that seems like a legit argument. But I feel like we could get it done, again, for the money, for the television ratings, and for that intercontinental belt. <laughs> See, this is very similar. So I I had proposed the idea that they come back all 30 teams and do a single elimination March Madness style tournament. Sure. For for the Asterix champion, essentially. Seth's grumblings are my favorite thing of this podcast today. Go, Seth. This was when now this was when I didn't like who knew if they were going to come back under what, you know, circumstances they were going to come back or anything like that. Um but yeah, I, 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 I'm down with this tournament. Seth? Yeah, you know, I can just rewind the tape and play what I said again. And, and <laughs> I, I, I incorporate that by reference. Yeah. You know, I, no, like, like these, are, I, these are interesting ideas that like are worth talking about in like a broader scope. And again, trying to impose them on the fly in an already degree – in a situation that already has high degree of difficulty – it is, you know, they're fun to talk about as long as we're admitting that they're completely fanciful. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay, agreed. Yeah, yeah. Well, then, yeah. then, 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 right. then let's talk wrestling. Right uh, there, you go. Uh, <laughs> okay, so because Gordon three sixteen just whooped your ass, and you know that's, that's Orlando making the finals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so uh, one of the things, so we've been talking a lot about what the matchups are going to look like, what the playoffs are going to look like, what the you know actual like. The, this sort of stuff, the logistical stuff. We haven't really talked a ton about the games themselves without fans it, and in a non-arena setting. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen the gym that that we talked to with, uh, Keith about last week. It's not very big. It's more like a, a college, like a small college gym. Um, guys, are there inherent advantages for some of these teams with, with no fans and a different environment? I mean, I, let's start with Mo, just because, you know, Mo, I mean, you, you've you been a coach in the league. Uh, as a coach, I mean, are you going to be able to pick up on stuff from the other team that maybe you wouldn't have before? I mean, the you're you're more likely to hear things just from the, like, just think about it this way in timeouts, uh, unless they're playing music, which I know how much Dave and Seth love that. Um, you know, like, you're going to be able to hear what's going on sometimes in some of the other, in the other team's timeouts, right? And things like that. And if they're not, quiet some of these coaches indoor voice is really an outdoor voice um and i think you have those kinds of things but overall like in gameplay i don't maybe i'm just not maybe i don't have a big enough imagination i don't see there being that much of a competitive advantage obviously uh, other than like hearing the play call cleanly for once um i don't i i don't think you're gonna have that much of a an advantage from the coaching or strategy side of it I mean, I, I my my guess is that that 
a lot of teams would go to like silent play calls and like signals rather than than because a lot of teams and Mo back me up on this. A lot of teams like the verbiage of play calls kind of indicates a lot of 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 kind of the the action, the, the kind of the initiating action into what you're running, kind of thing, and whether you're kind of you have a planned counter or something like that. So getting uh, which side uh, of the court you're. Yeah, right, which on. side of the court, or if you're, you know, if you've, if you've, if you know, you've got a, you know, you've got a play that's like a like a, a flare screen, and the counter is is is, is flip it into a back screen, because they're like overplaying or something like that, and then so if you you call the counter and it's you know the the verbiage for counter is like twists or something like that, you're probably not gonna you know, like that's that's something you'd figure out as the other coaching staff, you'd figure out pretty quickly, and then that then the counter kind of doesn't really work as well. Because you you know it's coming, and then on top of that too, like a lot of good scouts also have the hand signals already. So unless teams are already beginning to change their stuff up, you know, like going in, like everybody knew the Spurs playbook, knew the calls, knew the hand signals, knew everything, and it wasn't like it it, it didn't matter if, if if you had the talent, we were going to score. If we didn't, you know, we 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 weren't. So I mean, it's just kind of that. So. You're right, though. There's going to be a lot of that kind of stuff there in in, in these things. The fun part will be watching the assistant coach because there's going to be less on the bench trying to scroll through and figure out what twist means in real time. And by the time he figures it out, the team's already scored. Keith, are there any COVID uh, world issues you could see cropping up here, like changes that should be made that we're not anticipating, things that people are going to use to their advantage or disadvantage? The thing I keep thinking about is it in the COVID world where we're trying to minimize the droplets flying through the air. Are we really going to let the referees have whistles? Shouldn't they have some kind of maybe introduce a buzzer or something? Well, there's a there's a device, Keith, that actually allows uh, that basically makes a whistle sound if they really want to use that. It's like a little handheld thing and you just hit a button and it and it makes the whistle right. sound. Right. I mean it seems that, like it seems like they should probably be using that. Or at least maybe try probably it. Probably should have switched to that a long time ago. Yeah. You think? Uh, yeah. Maybe maybe that's what's in, in in line, you know, maybe that's what's maybe that's what we're gonna have happen. Maybe maybe they're gonna have be wearing their whistle and then the mask. I don't know. A whistle button. <laughs> you know? See the because a lot of these guys you know, I mean uh, Mo, you've done this. I always used to wrap my whistle in my hand anyway. Yeah, no, I mean, right? I, I wore it around my neck and then just had it in okay. my mouth ready for – I wasn't talking. I wasn't coaching. I was a video coordinator. Gotcha. If I, if I oh, dared yeah. to say something, that probably would have been one of my last practices. Yeah, needless <laughs> to say, I never got stuck operating the shot clock, Mo. Uh, but, yeah, Whoa. I would wrap it around my hand Easy like time. a lot of like a lot of these these refs in the NBA do. And, and you cut down – you're going to get quicker whistles because guys won't have to – you know, they want to travel the distance between wherever they're running and their mouth with the whistle. And they're also going to have a lot of well. guys putting I'm, the buzzer up to their mouth because of years of years of muscle memory. Oh, no. Of, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be hard. <laughs> but, Disgusting. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's loud. See, enough. Is, it's loud enough. The first time I think you'll remember not to put it back near your face. <laughs> but that's something that I hadn't even considered was the whistle. I'm also interested in, I feel like if we watch these at home, we're, we're, we're going to in empty arenas without home fans screaming. I'm hopeful as someone who like makes my, most of my arguments being pro NBA referee that I think when we watch these games without fans, that it's going to seem like the referees are doing a better job than sometimes we think they're doing because there's no fans screaming angrily at them. I think a lot of, t- a lot of the calls is just going to be like watching a game on mute 
where you're like, oh, that's, that seemed like a fine call. I don't have a strong feeling either way, as opposed to like the, the home crowd going nuts and then the announcers getting carried away, being like, oh, what a terrible block charge. And then you see that it was a correct call, but you still have that feeling that maybe the refs messed up. I still think you're going to get that from the benches, from the players. Could, the yeah, you could. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 People was it, still was it Scott? Was it Scott Foster who did an interview the other day yeah. where he was he was he was talking about like there's the like the second row assistants and and film guys and whatever that you know you you're able to just not hear <laughs> when there's kind of ambient noise. <laughs> and so you can it, either either you don't actually hear them or it's pretty easy to pretend that it's just, uh, just some joker in the crowd. Whereas like no, that's the, that's a coach who said that. Is there is this is that's this going to lead to more technicals on the bench? Are assistant coaches going or, to or be? I think it's. <laughs> I mean, no, I think it's going to there, – there's going to be an adjustment of like, OK, that he didn't really – like he's not showing me up. He's just like under his breath and the fact that there's nothing else going on, I can hear it. So I'm not going to get rabbit ears here. I'm just gonna, uh, my guess know. is there are going to be very few technicals when they come back. I, I think I think everyone's going to kind of be – A little self-conscious. Yeah, but also, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of solidarity, you know? Yeah, come on. You know, I, I think every, every every team is already coming out with their proposals that mm-hmm. like, oh wow, that just happens to ad, like advantage us. It's it's the best possible. Here's why. And oh, right. by the way, it makes sure we're in the playoffs, or it gives us yeah. the most advantageous road, or 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 or. And so you know, I think that the like it's nice that you think that Dave, but um, <laughs> so but a, here, here in the actual world, I mean, the Lakers um, <laughs> are the ones that really want to should, should be pushing this one through 16 thing. They wouldn't have to play. Seriously. They would only have to play the bucks or the Clippers to win the championship. Whereas the bucks should be like, no, no, no conferences. Let's stay with conferences. <laughs> uh, I, I'm sure all the East teams are trying to stick with conferences. Uh, Tim Cato made a great joke to me today. Uh, and and we were we were taking bets on how long the Twitter thread for Mark Cuban would be if they did a seven eight play in. Well, he proposed one. A seven eight no, play in. He, he proposed one where the Mavericks weren't included. He proposed a play in for the right. Oh, yeah. Was it? I, I thought he. Yeah. I thought his proposal had also the Mavs in it. Okay. No. Well, yeah. No. He'll go. He'll go. He'll go completely nuts. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, what are you guys doing this week? I'm watching some basketball and some uh, <laughs> some UFC. Hmm. Hmm. Seth, got anything going on? Uh, man. I know. We just went. I, I know. What, what These I, weeks um, are running together. Well, it's, it's finally good weather here in Milwaukee, so we we have, we're going to put up the kiddie pool this week because it's finally into the seventies and eighties. So it's time to to get the uh, to get the kiddie pool out to to cool off a little bit. Keith, what about you? I've been real into Legos. Uh, me and my five year old son, he was into Legos, and now since there's nothing else to do and I play with him all day, it's like wow, these Legos are kind of incredible. And I've uh, been doing a lot of Legos, so that's, I'm going to keep doing that. There you go. And uh, I'm starting to move, so. Uh, going to be a fun time. That's going to do it for this week. Thanks to Keith from fast break breakfast. One of my favorite basketball podcasts. So go and check that out. If you don't already listen. Uh, and as always, thank you, Mo. Thank you, Seth. And we'll be back next week with more nerd. She wrote.